It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Raptors had a weird deadline. You have questions. I have questions. So we're going to talk about some of the bigger questions in the wake of what the Raptors did, adding Yakapurtle and not shipping anyone else off other than Kem Birch. We'll talk about OG Ananobi. Did they miss an opportunity to trade OG Ananobi for a big haul of picks? We'll talk about the development of Scotty Barnes and Precious Achua. Will Yakup Purtle impede that at all? All that and more on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1340 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, February the 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. Just follow me over there. The show is at Locked On Raptors as well. You can go follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps in audio form. And of course, we are on YouTube. Please go hit the big fat red subscribe button to support this show. There's a great little clip yesterday of my chat with Kylan Mills from Locked On NBA digging into the Yakka Purtle deal and the otherwise inaction by the Raptors and a whole bunch else if you go and hang over on the Locked On Raptors YouTube channel. We're pushing towards 3,000 subs. Let's go do it, shall we? All right, today's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, on today's show, there's just there wasn't enough time on t- uh, yesterday when it came to two reaction podcasts to get all of the thoughts on the page or on tape, as it were, on video for some of you. Uh, after the Raptors trade deadline, there's a lot to sift through. There's a lot of, I think, in-between and gray area in the conversation. Obviously, when we talk about these things, they get super polarized and black and white. But truthfully, there's a lot of stuff to sort through here. The nuances of what the Raptors have done at the deadline here. And I do think a couple of pretty enormous questions have emerged from the last 24 hours or so. Number one... Did the Raptors miss a chance to really cash in and trade OG Ananobi? Will it be their last opportunity? We'll talk about that off the top. We're also going to get into the concept of Precious Achua and Scotty Barnes, the two guys whose internal development seems to be the vehicle by which this team is going to move themselves into upper crusts of contention one day or other tiers of of competitiveness than the, the one they occupy right now. Will that be impeded by the arrival of Jakob Pertl, who was playing the position that those two guys have both kind of thrived with so far this year? We'll get to that. We also will examine the buyout question at the end of the show. But before we do that, 
Let's talk about OG, shall we? Uh, of course, OG Ananobi remains on your Toronto Raptors. He is still not available to play. He'll be out tonight against the Utah Jazz, presumably as Jakob Pertl makes his Raptors re-debut, I suppose, we're calling it that. Um, and so still a little bit of time here until OG gets back and we can see how it all works with him on the floor. But I do think it's a fair question to ask coming out of the deadline and with some of the reporting coming out from the likes of Zach Lowe, Tim McMahon, Tim Bontemps on the various ESPN podcasts I've been mainlining over the last 12 hours. I do think there's the reasonable question to ask, did the Raptors miss their chance to cash in on OG Ananobi here and get themselves a haul, a return, whatever you want to call it, that could better set them up for the future? Obviously, they've created a situation here where they've got to thread the needle just about perfectly. We've talked about this already. You know, they've got the three pending UFAs, presumably all guys they'll want to keep or at very least sign and trade to get something back in return. You lose any of those guys for nothing. I think that makes this deadline decision pretty much a failure because the, the talent drain is a big part of why the Raptors are in the predicament they found themselves in to begin with. So, there's that. There's also the OG Ananobi thing to contend with. And did you miss the opportunity to trade him now? Will there be an opportunity later? How does he fit into this more cluttered roster? It's a good thing to have more good players on the team, but obviously one of the issues with this team all season long has been overlap of skills, you know, tension within roles, guys not having the sort of room to operate that they maybe think that they deserve. All fair things to sort of consider here when you're evaluating what the Raptors have done. And I do wonder, maybe, would it have been easier just to move off of OG now, you know, reassemble the roster with the guys you have? There were downsides to that, of course, too. You trade OG and you're back in the same spot of, oh, no, we have uh, no players to play and we're playing our guys 40 minutes a night. With OG, let's just kind of run through some of the reporting. Uh, first off, Zach Lowe reporting that there were three firsts on the table, you know, for OG throughout the day from some team. Tim McMahon suggested the Grizzlies had three first round picks on the table for OG as well. When Zach Lowe was on his podcast last night talking with Bobby Marks and Kevin Pelton, he noted that the Raptors were really wanting a player back in exchange for OG Ananobi, in addition to whatever picks they were looking for. We heard the rumors about Jonathan Kaminga from the reporters out of Golden State, for example. Um, you know, we talked long about the idea of a Dyson Daniels or a Trey Murphy or someone like that, a young player, probably a little more cost-controlled than what OG is, who you can throw into your mix and have him grow along with the guys you have on hand, so you're not just waiting on picks to convey down the line. Um, and I think that was a fair thing for the Raptors to want, right? This is a team that their biggest problem all season long hasn't been that they don't have good players, it's that they don't have enough of them, and the the ones they have haven't really fit super well. And, you know, I, I don't blame them for wanting to get players back, actual real players who have NBA experience as opposed to the speculative nature of draft picks, you know, from teams that are probably pretty good, right? This is the thing, too. You can say three first-round picks, but... What were the conditions? The Raptors have not exactly covered themselves in glory as a team that can negotiate great protections on picks, so maybe that's a consideration here. Were they real first-round picks? Were they protected top 10, lottery protected? Do they have weird protections on them down the line? How you know When do they convey? Do they turn into two seconds eventually if they don't convey? All these things we don't know. We may never know. And so it's hard to have a full sort of justification of, yes, the OG and Anobi missed opportunity is a bad one. The Raptors didn't get what they could have gotten. I think it's fair to think maybe this could have been easier. You know, obviously, if you move OG now, the money in the offseason gets a lot easier to manage. Maybe there's less concern about keeping all of Jakob Pertl, Gary Trent Jr., and Fred Van Vliet if that's what they want to do. 
because you have more money to work with. You can pay them what they're asking for. You don't have to ask for any sort of discount or anything like that. You don't have to worry about bidding wars from other teams with cap space. That would have made things easier, of course. But I do think I get where the Raptors are coming from here on wanting to see just a little bit more of what this team can be. Obviously, OG has been a big part of it. OG has maybe been a piece that's not fit super well this season, but he's a very good player. And if you can keep a very good player on your team and make it work, I feel like that's the preferable option. And bringing in Jakob Pertl, I think, does allow the Raptors to sort of realign things in a pretty nice way. We'll get to that in the next segment as well. But as far as the OG stuff, you know, three first round picks is a lot, man. <laughs> it's a lot to say no to. Again, we don't know what the conditions or what the actual nature of those picks was, but I don't begrudge you necessarily if you think they missed the opportunity. I was saying going into the deadline, they should be trading OG Ananobi. I, again, the pa- the packages I had in mind were more player heavy. Obviously, those didn't come to fruition. It doesn't sound like there was anything close, for example, with the Blazers from the reporting that you get in the podcast that you listen to from all the insider types. Um, you know, we talked about Anthony Simons potentially is just like a straight swap for those two. We mentioned the Tyrese Maxey thing. Like, this is why, the, you know, I don't feel all that upset about them not going and making this deal because it didn't seem like those player, like good player for good player swaps are on the table, which is really what I thought was the best course of action if you were going to deal OG. Get a guy who fits your roster better than the very good player who currently is maybe not the best fit. You know, patience is an underwhelming thing, right? It's it's not uh, satisfying. It's not, you know, it, it leaves you open to bad things happening down the line. You know, catastrophic injury, you know, things not working out well. The Raptors, if they, you know, over these next 26 games completely poop the bed and go like 10 and 16 or something, the whole thing becomes very much up in the air. And you can really question as to whether or not this was the right move by the Raptors. I don't think we can judge that yet because we haven't seen how these next 26 games play out. But these next 26 games are massively important for the Raptors as a franchise, for Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster's reputations, all of that. And I do think getting to see what OG does in these next 26 games, if you can find some lineups where he's maybe a little bit higher in the pecking order, you know, you have more options to play with, you can play guys fewer minutes, you can stagger your guys a little bit more sort of intentionally and with certain combinations of players to really enhance what they're doing, I think that's doable. Yaka Pirtle, you kind of start building lineups together and it's like, oh, normal center. We'll stick him with a ball handler. We'll put some wings between them. Oh my goodness, we have real normal basketball on the floor. That's, I think, the vision here is they can find some way to make OG sort of realize, okay, this ain't so bad, and and they can kind of get the most out of him while also kind of satisfying any urge he might have for a bigger role. You know, but ultimately, if the deals weren't there that the Raptors didn't want, I don't begrudge them for not doing it because, like, OG can be revisited at the draft. And I do think Masai made a really good point. And you can quibble with a lot of the Raptors' moves on the margins and their sort of general philosophies over the last couple years, for sure. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think you can quibble with their clear philosophy that the trade deadline is not the be-all, end-all. It is not this deadline that you have to make massive decisions by because there are tools within the CBA and within the, the way the league calendar year works where it doesn't have to be that. You can use bird rights as an asset, as a tool for team building. You can use the draft as a way to trade guys as opposed to the deadline. And I think Masai makes a really good point. When you get out of the playoffs, you have 29 teams that have just lost. Right now, there are probably a dozen teams that think they can go and win the championship or at least have a puncher's chance at it. You have 29 teams at the end of the year who have lost, who have failed, who have roster turnover, who have new sets of draft picks and assets available to move. 
and that's a bigger pool of options to play with. In season, you're not always going to get teams' best offers. They get married to their guys. They see what's worked so far. They don't want to mess up what they've got going. Big player introductions, middle of the season, are very hard to execute a lot of the time. So I'm not surprised a great offer didn't come. But you get to the draft, and all these teams have just lost in the playoffs, and their weaknesses have been exposed. And oftentimes, the weakness is, man, what if we had one more big wing on the team who could shoot threes? Uh, Perfect. OG's right there. So if things don't work out here with OG and sort of finding that role for him, that sort of that perfect, optimal, harmonious equilibrium of OG and Anobi within the team, if they can't find that, the draft, I think, becomes a pretty good spot to move them. And they've seen now what's out there, as Zach Lowe pointed out last night. They've seen the options. They've seen what's on the table. They can always revisit that when you get back to the draft and in the offseason. Like, there was no obligation to trade OG. He wasn't a pending free agent. Obviously, the other free agents complicate this whole matter, but there was no obligation. I don't hate the idea of waiting, even if I might have gone with, you know, just making the move and getting the picks and moving on from there. Again, I'm not a huge picks guy. Three first-round picks is a lot. We don't know what the nature of them was, but that's a lot of first-round picks that you can do a lot with that if you're the Raptors, especially having just sent out a first-round pick for Jakob Pertl. So, again, I'm not going to begrudge anyone who doesn't like the Raptors' deadline. (laughs) I I get it. I, I get the frustration. But with the OG and the missed opportunity stuff, it might have been a missed opportunity that might not come back to bite them, I guess is the best way to put it. It could be a bad decision that ultimately they don't rue down the line because things transpire in a certain set of ways. We're going to come back on the other side, get into Jakob Pertl and Precious Achua and Scotty Barnes. How did those three interact? What does Pertl's arrival mean for the development of Scotty Barnes, who's been awesome at center, and Precious Achua, who obviously has been kind of branded the center of the future in a lot of ways? We'll get into why I'm actually kind of intrigued and excited by what Pirtle's arrival might mean for those guys. We'll get to that in just one sec. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Rocket Money. Of course, Rocket Money is the company that's going to help you not spend money on subscriptions you no longer want to be paying for. And it's, uh, of course, we know them formally as our friends over at Truebill. They are here to make it so you are aware and able to manage your finances in a very clean out in the open, very sort of just convenient way. I hate this stuff. I don't like admin. I don't like worrying about, you know, all this sort of, oh, I got that bill to pay, that bill to pay. It's really, that's not something I'm very good managing. And so Rocket Money is a perfect way for me to go about getting better at that. Of course, they, we know them formally as our friends over at Truebill. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought or just to watch one show on, or that free trial that you just never even used or used one time and totally forgot about. I'm guilty of that as well. I'm very bad at canceling the stuff that I pay lots of money for for no reason. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to 720 bucks a year. That's incredible. You simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel. Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times on customer service lines or anything like that. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way. By going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. Rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's continue on and move into, I think, maybe the second big question I have coming out of the deadline. And that is, what is Jakob Pertl's arrival going to mean for the growth of Scotty Barnes and Precious Achua? Of course, Scotty and Precious are the two guys, if you're looking at the, what the Raptors have done here, where they've clearly said, we're not bottoming out. We think we have good players on the roster. We're going to see if the addition of Jakob Pertl can help tie it all together and make it more than the sum of its parts in a way that it just hasn't been all year. They've been less than the sum of their parts, of course, all season long. I think if you add in... Jakob Pertl, there's a good argument to be made that things are going to stabilize here. The defense is going to get better. He's not been a great rim protector, you know, compared to his season, his career averages this year in San Antonio. That team is a complete disaster, rudderless mess, and has no infrastructure around him. So I don't think that's all that concerning, truthfully. Um, There's also human nature of playing for a tanking team. Are you trying as hard as you could be? All of that you know, I, I, I'm not too worried about Yak's fall off defensively. He's only 27 years old. I think he's going to be perfectly fine with a better infrastructure around him. And I think that's going to inversely affect the Raptors, too. You get Yak back there, they're going to have more confidence to, you know, jump that passing lane. They're going to be, you know, less prone to having the blow-by lead to an easy bucket. It's just, it's going to, I think, make everything a little bit more simple. Either way, I think, for me, the question is, Scotty Barnes and Precious Achua, these two guys have played a lot of center. And in fact, Scotty Barnes's, you know, great run of late has very much coincided with him playing mostly as a center and in particular on offense as a role man, as someone from the middle of the floor who's operating there. And I think the concern is you bring in Yaka Pertle, who's occupying that space? Is Scotty Barnes still being used as a screener? Is he being asked to stand in the corner because you have Yaka Pertle as your traditional dive man? And I think that's a fair concern, but I also think there's a real chance here for Scotty Barnes to still do the things he likes to do, just in like a slightly better environment because of what Jakob Pertl can do as a finisher around the rim, because he can be a role man, because he can work things from the elbow and not have to stand next to the basket all the time necessarily. There are ways for this to work. You know, there is a trade-off going to be happening here. I would imagine Scotty's pick and roll possessions are going to go down. Just It's just probably going to happen when you have a traditional center and they're probably playing 28 to 30 minutes in Jakob Pertl. Um, Scotty's been killer as a role man this season. A 1.39 points per possession. It's the 89th percentile in the NBA per NBA.com in scoring as a role man. And that's that's a big number. Jakob Pertl's just at 1.12. It's you know kind of just below league average for him. You know, you can... I think work around that and still have Scotty Barnes work from the middle of the floor quite routinely here. You can still use him in the middle of a zone as a kind of decision maker, floor surveyor from the, from the nail area, but in just your regular half court offense, like they've made it work with bad spacing from the center position all season long. You know, as much as Scotty has been the nominal center at times, like he's out there playing with non-spacing bigs pretty routinely. And so I think it's not maybe that much of a drastic change. And I do think I find encouragement from the fact that Scotty Barnes, when he's played with a traditional seven foot rim protector this season, the results have been fantastic. If you look at what Scotty and Christian Coloco have done in their shared minutes per cleaning the glass, 850 shared possessions on the floor together for Barnes and Coloco. The Raptors have 118.4 offensive rating. Very good. 107.4 defensive rating. Very good. A plus 11 net rating with Barnes sharing the floor with a traditional rim protector type. I think the trade-off here is, you know, yeah, maybe you get a little bit less of that Scotty in the middle of the floor operating as your sort of nominal center with space around him and all of that, 
But you also have him maybe burning you less defensively as sort of one of their last lines of defense and someone who's just not really ready for that. Um, you know, I, I think you can make it work. I also think there's plenty of opportunity here to still have Scotty be your, your go-to screener as well, right? Obviously, Yak is going to do that. He's a good role man. He's a, he can finish around the bucket at a really great rate. But you could also have Jakobertl occupy the dunker spot and use, you know, Scotty as a screener with Fred Van Vliet or Pascal Siakam or whoever. And then you have Scotty working the short role there. You have Jakobertl in the dunker spot. You know, teams send extra attention towards Scotty. The big to big passing is going to be glorious with, you know, you know Pascal and Scotty finding Jakob Pertl in those spots where, you know, Precious Achu has been so great this season, seeping into those areas where you can just get those little dump-off passes because of all the attention Barnes and Siakam garner in that 10-foot range. Like, I think Yak is going to feast on that uh, sort of very specific set of actions. And, and like, you can run Scotty Barnes as your screener there. I think you're probably going to get to utilize Scotty as a playmaker as well a little bit more. You run him with Jakob Pertl. You get him going downhill and pick and roll. You have an actual dive man threat next to him. Obviously, Scott, Scotty's not a great shooting threat, but having a role man of Jakob Pertl's ability next to Scotty, I think, is going to help him expand his pick and roll operation as well. And I just think there there's an interesting you know kind of collection of lineups and player combinations the Raptors can find here. And I think... Barnes, you know, for me, that you're there's still ways to get Barnes to be your nominal center for long stretches, right? Jakob is not going to play all the minutes in a game. 28 minutes for, for Yak, you get 20 minutes of other center play you got to fill in. I would argue you give all that to Scotty. He's shown that as an offensive player, as a center, he can really keep your offense humming. And the Raptors' offensive turnaround this season, or, you know, their improvement of late, maybe not a full turnaround, they've been okay all year. But their improvement of late has been very much tied to Scotty Barnes operating from the middle of the floor. You can still do that. It's fine. With Precious Achua, I think this opens up a really interesting avenue for his development. Obviously, he's got the rim protection. That's great. But I do kind of wonder if this kind of opens up a bit more of a wing-centric development path for Precious Achua. The three-point shooting is going to simply have to come. He can't shoot 24%. No good. He's got to be better. But if you have Jakob Pertl out there as your sort of anchor defensively, and you just start, again, building these lineups, you get Fred Van Vliet as your point guard, or Pascal running point, or Scotty running point, and you're trying to find ways to connect between the two, three, and four spots that make sensible lineups that make real sort of geometric sense in your brain as a basketball fan who's watched basketball forever— I do think Precious slots kind of nicely into that wing role, right? He is super fast. He can make a catch and, you know, attack you off the drive very effectively. He's probably going to yam on your head a whole bunch doing that. I was on the radio last night. I think I said it yesterday on the podcast, too. Like, big Norm Powell might be the the, the archetype here for Precious Achua, except Norm Powell was a bad defender. Precious Achua might be an all-defense-level defender one day. And I do think, as much as I like his rim protection, and it's a really great thing that he can offer you that, some of the better rim protection numbers that we've seen in the league so far this season from any center, obviously his volume of you know rim shots defended is much lower than a lot of the other guys, but we, the numbers have been great in a small sample. That's nice, but almost more exciting to me is the idea of Precious Achua as a wing defender, as a one-on-one guy who can go swallow up the opposing team's best wing player. You play, you play OG and Precious together? Like, as a wing duo, as a 3-4 duo, a 2-3 duo, 
that is pretty impenetrable. That's how you solve your perimeter defense issues. Not to mention you got Yakapurtle at the back line cleaning things up. I mean, there are some pretty interesting lineups you can roll with. You know, something like a Siakam, OG, Trent, Precious, Purtle lineup, for example, where you have as much shooting as you can get on the floor there in those wing spots or, or close to it. Um, obviously, you could throw Fred in there too as your sort of point guard, roll him pick and roll stuff with, with, with Purtle with spacing around them. But like OG, Precious, Trent as your wing trio, I like that. That's fun to me. That can be a staple lineup for the Raptors that, that, that really, you know, does some work for them. You know, you could also get like Fred, Gary, Precious, Boucher, Barnes as like your second unit. Like I said, you get Barnes a lot of those 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 backup center minutes. You throw Boucher and Precious out there as your 3-4 duo. You have the shooting of Fred and Gary. That can be a staple in between lineup for you as well. And you're seeing these lineup combinations that emerge because Jakob Pertl stabilizes everything. I think that's going to open up some pretty interesting possibilities here for Precious. And as much as I think he'll still get minutes at center and be a nominal big, t- big man at times... His ball skills, his ability to get downhill, his potential three-point shooting, which has obviously waxed and waned throughout his career, and the fact that he doesn't do a ton of typical center things that you love. He's not a great screener. You know, as much as he can roll, he hasn't represented a very good roll target all the time. Um, You know, he doesn't make super quick decisions when he's in that sort of, you know, nail area where, you know, working in the zone or whatever it might be in the short roll. He's not a great quick fire decision maker there. When you're on the wing, you can just get the ball and go to work, whether it's putting up a shot, driving, making the next play. That type of stuff. And that's what Norm Powell really made hay with as a Raptor. I could totally see that being the future now here for Precious as they maybe sort of, you know, zero in on what his actual role on the floor is going to be long term. Jakob Pertl opens up that possibility, which I think is pretty cool. And so as much as this could potentially impede maybe the short-term effectiveness of those guys just because Pertl's stepping into the spot where those guys were really thriving... I really think long-term, this is going to be a good thing for Scotty Barnes and, and Precious Achua's development. In particular, Precious. I'm really excited about wing Precious being a thing. And, uh, you know, if they can kind of mold him around those sort of quick-fire wing types, I, I think that will be a pretty good thing. It's a, it's a skill the Raptors need. It's something the Raptors badly need on their roster is second side, you know, creation, you know, attacking tilted defenses, that type of stuff. They don't really have anyone with that quick first step who can go and do that. It's a lot of plodding. If the ball comes to Gary Trent Jr., he's going to dribble it around a little bit. OG's going to do his thing and sort of plod and, and whatever. Precious can just go. Get it? Go. And it's uh, it's pretty exciting. We're going to come back on the other side, get into the buyout question. Should the Raptors be going after any buyout, guys? Are there anyone out there who really moves the needle? Or should they maybe consider not going for a buyout guy at all and using the back end of their roster a little differently down the stretch? We will get to that question to wrap up the show in just one moment. Before we do that, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Of course, it's Super Bowl 57 this weekend. If you are watching the big game, you can get a no-sweat first bet with uh, $3,000, up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. It's the only app you need at your Super Bowl party. It is FanDuel, and you can bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who's going to score a touchdown, Gatorade colors, flipping coins, who's going to score the first points, safety, will there be one, will there not, how long will the anthem run? It's all on there, baby. FanDuel is your way to have a good time betting on the big game the way you like to do. The FanDuel Sports app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get your paid, get paid your earnings 
instantly, which is awesome. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL and of Locked On. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here, rounding up the show with the final question, I think, emerging from the deadline here, and it's one that always comes up this time of year because it's the next transaction window. People love transactions, can't get enough. Deadline's over, where's the next transaction coming? And maybe it's the buyout market. The question here is, should the Raptors be players in the buyout market? It's a seemingly pretty stacked buyout market compared to most years. I feel like we say this every year, like, oh, surprising. Like, look at these guys, pretty good players getting bought out. For me, players get bought out for one reason, and it's that they're pretty flawed or they don't fit or they're just not really good anymore. And obviously, we've seen the Raptors have trouble with the buyout market in the past. Jeremy Lin didn't quite work out. That was supposed to be like the final piece to the championship team. Uh, He obviously didn't really play much in the playoffs, and they still won, obviously. It was all good. Jeremy Lin's on all the shirts and all the merch. That's great, but um, that didn't work out super well. Jason Thompson was kind of a meh signing that didn't really move the needle very much. Very rarely are teams getting buyout guys who change their lives, and obviously contenders are always going to be in the driver's seat for those types. The argument in favor of the Raptors going for a buyout guy here is, you know, they obviously are making a push here to try to do as well in these last 26 games as they possibly can, right? They're really trying to make a push for it to go and, uh, you know, make a six seed, seven seed, whatever it might be, trying to salvage, take advantage of a really easy closing schedule, of course, as well, and turn that into a, sort of a salvaging of this season. That is maybe not, you know, the, the like maybe you need a big guy, a, a bio guy to help you with that, right? You know, this team has struggled. If you can add another player, great. I was a big proponent of trying to find a Monte Morris type before the deadline. And honestly, if my, my biggest criticism of the Raptors deadline is if they were going to do this and address their weaknesses and get Yaka Pirtle and not sell guys off, they should have gone and addressed their other weakness, which is backup point guard play. They didn't do that. That's fine. Could they do it in the buyout market? Maybe, but I kind of am thinking right now, the Raptors should maybe just like chill on the buyout market and not really worry about dipping their toe in the water. You have Jakob Pertl. You're a deeper team right now than you were two days ago. You have eight and a half, nine guys you can trust in your rotation when you throw Thad Young in as your ninth guy. I don't know how much Thad will play. We'll see. You know, obviously he can help trim minutes down, but I think just the general allocation of minutes is going to get a little bit more balanced just with Yak being there and the lineup combos you can build that make a lot of sense in between. Um, so maybe Thad plays, maybe he doesn't. Either way, I don't know if there's going to be even a spot for a buyout guy, so that's a tough sell to bring a guy in for you know the, the meager amount of money you can give them. Hey, come play for us and be our tenth man. Maybe that doesn't really you know stick with guys as like a selling point or anything like that. You know, Danny Green, for example, like feels like he's going to end up on the Suns or some team that's contending, and that's great for Danny Green. Really hoping he can go carry a team to a title. That would be great. Um, carry a team, be there for a team, whatever. Danny Green's amazing, uh, <laughs> but. For me, if you look at the guys in the buyout market, first of all, I don't think they need any bigs. They don't need wings. They have a lot of those guys, and it's already a challenge to fit them all in and give them roles they're going to be comfortable with and all of that. So I don't think you really need that. It would be guard play 
that you're looking at, backup backcourt play, some shooting perhaps to, to add to the mix that you'd be looking at. And it's funny because the guys who make the most sense to me are all ex-Raptors, it seems. It's hilarious. Um, but you got like Corey Joseph, Terrence Ross, Danny Green. Those are the guys that make the most sense. Do you want to have another reunion? I love reunions. I'd be fine with it. Whatever. But like, I understand if that's maybe not the the avenue the Raptors want to go down with guys that they kind of know exactly what they are. They're lesser versions of what they used to be for sure. I don't think any of those guys really moves the needle as much as I would still jump for joy if Terrence Ross was a Toronto Raptor again, but that's just because I'm a sicko who loves Terrence Ross, as uh, you can see with the framed Terrence Ross photo that I'm pointing to in the uh, in the screen here. But um, yeah, for me, I kind of think maybe they can skip the buyout market entirely and just push with the guys they have, figure out what these guys who are actually part of the team long-term, the way a buyout guy would not be, fit together that's their priority and sort of adding any other wrenches into the mix feels like it's getting in the way of the information gathering you're hoping to achieve over the next 26 games not to mention this might be an opportunity to actually try and develop Malachi Flynn into something to save his NBA career we know Malachi Flynn's whole thing coming out of college was he's an incredible pick and roll operator the Raptors drafted him are not a pick and roll team haven't had a pick and roll big his entire time with the team you don't change your style to fit Malachi Flynn necessarily, but now maybe he can just play in an environment that's a little bit more comfortable for him. If he can hit his threes and play like a solid backup point guard running pick and roll with, with Yak or whomever else, maybe, 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 just maybe there's a pathway here for Malachi Flynn to be a real NBA player to stick around. I'm still not terribly sold on it, but like this could be an opportunity to at least throw some minutes his way in a situation where his skills are going to be kind of amplified. And maybe that helps him find his way a little bit here. Maybe even just for a trade in the offseason or something, because they have picked up his option for next season, I believe, already. Um, but yeah, this could be an opportunity for Flynn. This could also be an opportunity to sort of take a flyer on a pipeline guy, right? They have a roster spot. Why not convert one of Jeff Doughton or Ron Harper Jr.? Ron Harper Jr. has had a pretty good run in the G League. We know what Jeff Doughton's done all season long. Everyone seems to like Jeff Doughton quite a bit. Convert one of those two-way guys to an NBA deal for your final NBA roster spot, and then go find a flyer. There's a, the, the G League is loaded with guys. Go sign a two-way deal with a guy who maybe you feel like you can turn into something, right? It's a lottery ticket, of course. It probably won't render much in the long term. All these guys who are two-way guys obviously are very flawed and, you know, have a long way to go to becoming regular rotation NBA players. But the Raptors got to do something with their development pipeline. It's been a little bit of a fallow period here. Maybe just one extra lotto ticket with a two-way deal is a smart move to just see if you can get another guy in the door into your program who might be able to contribute to you down the line, whether it's as a two-way guy this year, maybe you convert him to a regular NBA deal in the offseason, sign him to a longer deal, whatever. I think that's probably the move for me is, you know, you've gotten your sort of nine guys who are going to make this push. Use the rest of the roster, not to bring in guys who are not going to be part of the long-term solution, but to bring in guys who actually maybe could be part of a long-term deep bench situation where you have belief in your players beyond players number 9 or 10 on the roster. That, to me, is the way to go here. I think I'd probably hang out and just let the buyout market play out as it does it's very rare you're getting someone who makes an impact and for this team the situation they're in adding more guys with agendas and things they want to be doing to the conversation feels like a way to detract from the thing you're trying to do which is establish some sort of harmony within your team over the next 26 games so i think i'm out of the buyout market maybe that's a bummer for some people 
Also, if they get Terrence Ross, I will scream and jump yippee and, and say it was the greatest move of all time. So I am uh, willing to change my mind on this one, too, because I love my boy Terry. Either way, we're going to wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We'll be back again on Monday. Breakdown, probably, it seems, the debut of Yakup Pertle on Friday against the Jazz. They get the game against the Pistons on Super Bowl Sunday as well. The, the biggest sporting event of the day, Raptors-Pistons on Sunday. We'll break it all down. Big V will be along on Monday, of course, and we will talk about some basketball, some real hoops, see how things come together, lineup combinations, schemes, tactics. That's the fun stuff, baby. No more trades for the rest of the year. We'll talk about that once we get to the offseason. But for now, we'll leave it there. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on Leafs. The buds are really good. They're cooking in the Eastern Conference. They are The deadline's coming up. They might be after some big fish as well. So go check out Locked on Leafs with Mike and Dave. It's a wonderful show. And we will leave you there. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.